Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Well, today I want to talk about being called by God, being called by God, learning to follow God, learning to shed our will <clears throat> for his will. This, <clears throat> excuse me, this time of year, we hear the shrill sounds of the cicada as it calls out to find a mate. You know that sound out there? That's, it always reminds you, of, man, summer's right in the middle of it and also beginning to come to an end. What a chorus it can become. And man, I'll tell you what, my yard is like a dating service for thousands. I mean, it is amazing. I haven't a clue as to how the ladies can make a decision and all that ruckus and cacophony of sound, that's for sure. When you study the life of the cicada, you see that they live a very simple life. And yet they can wait from 13 to 17 years to finally achieve what is their ultimate purpose, and that is to multiply. They take the world by storm so they can achieve the most success by their numbers, and they humbly, patiently fulfill their purpose, albeit irritating the mess out of us. We can also observe the acorn, a perfect nut that I never realized you could actually eat. Did you know you could eat an acorn? I didn't know that. My yard is inundated by them, by the thousands, every third year or so, and they call that a mast year when they come and mast like that, but they call it a mast year. And when that year comes, look out, it's going to be raining acorns. But did you know that the oak tree does not start producing nuts until on average about the 50th year? 50 years. That's a long time. That's a lot of growing without any fruit. From nature, we can see two qualities from these two examples I've shared with you this morning. Two qualities, patience and purpose. Patience and purpose. And it takes time to make something very beautiful, something very powerful. And it takes purpose for that something to endure. When we consider our lives in the light of our purpose as believers, believers in Christ, that is, we see that Jesus came to shake the world by defining for us what it is to be a God follower. First of all, we know he said, if you see me, you see the Father. And if you see the Father, you see me. He said, vice versa, we're one. Second, he said, I am the way, and you know the rest, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me, is what he said. Thirdly, he said, follow me, and you will achieve your purpose in this life. Two most powerful words, follow me. But do we just line up in this boring two-by-two two line that heads into this nondescript purpose or group think? Or is there something special that each of us are called to do, to actually do, each fulfilling a part of the grand, the grand plan? I think we know the answer to that. It is to this place that we should find, and I think we can find, real joy. For when we realize why God made us, then we can reach the heights of greatness to his glory, just like that oak tree. Finding this path means that we must discover God's unique will for our life. Like the acorn and the cicada, we do share a common journey. 
but not every oak tree is the same and not every cicada finds love on the same branch. So how do I find my place? I think so many young people today are absolutely bored out of their minds in church because they think one size fits all. When they hear about the boring lives that they think most Christians lead, they flee by the hundreds. But what if we could dig a little deeper and find something very unique and personal that would fill our hearts with an expectation, an energy, a joy? You know, it broke my heart when I was watching, uh, you know, I, I enjoy watching nature shows from time to time. They're so peaceful, and, and I enjoy that anyway. And, uh, but seeing this young girl that looked like she was in her early 20s, and she had pretty much dedicated her life to a tree. She had fallen in love with a tree, and she was going to live for that tree. She had cast off marriage and other relationships to be able to live for this tree. And I looked at that, you know, I, I, I was, uh, uh, you know, on one hand, I looked at that, and I was like, man, that's serious dedication. But then I thought, wait a minute. Inside her, of course, she is hardwired to have a purpose. She's hardwired to live for something and to be great and to give her life for something. But if I, my heart then became broken to realize it was so much more than just that tree, so much more. See, no one wants to get on a ride at the amusement park when they see everyone coming off saying, well, that was a waste of time, you know? You're sitting there and everybody's going off, man, that was a bummer. I mean, you could just see how everybody said, well, I'm not going to get on that ride. So here we are streaming out of church, streaming out of our relationship with Christ, and when the world or even our, our offspring begin to look at us and see that there's not much excitement what comes with that, we shouldn't be too, you know, disappointed when they don't come clamoring. So how can we change that? How can we get beyond that? Well, I believe it's very, very simple. And that is we've got to find God's personal will for us. Because you know what, folks? When we find God's plan for us individually, you know what? Man, it's the best ride you can ever have. And don't think it's going to be boring. Let me tell you that. And, and it's not going to be all fun and games either. There's going to be war. There's going to be battling. But there's going to be victories. There's going to be all kinds of things. So I want to help us get there today, and I want to share four quick points with you. Quick being relative, of course. But let's look at number one. First of all, we've got to become a follower of Christ, a Christ follower. See, I'm not even using the word Christian much these days. I'm not. I'm kind of getting away from that, even though it's a powerful word. It's one that has been used for generations. But the truth is, it's been kind of watered down. It's been kind of misused, kind of like the word marriage. And it's kind of like we need to redefine so that we can, we can, we can know ourselves, who we are called to be and what we're called to do. And so I like the word Christ follower better because that gets down to the nitty gritty. Are you following Christ? Are you following him? Because I want to give you a picture. Jesus would come into the communities. He would come. He was there in the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and he gathered people because he was healing. There were some miraculous signs and wonders. He was feeding people with a basket of, you know, fish and loaves. He was doing amazing, miraculous things, and people came by the thousands. God bless you. That, that, was, that was amazing. But anyway, 
Uh, they came by the thousands. And they, were just, and they would come and they would enjoy that and they would just be mesmerized by the power. And they would look at Jesus and say, no one can teach like this guy. He was a rock star. Rock star. Until he said, now follow me. That's when the story changed. That's when the thousands became only the hundreds. And then there was even a paring down after that. It came down to just, are you guys going to leave me too? Oh, we can't go anywhere. You have the words of life. See, to become a Christ follower means we've got to get past this cultural Christian thinking. We've got to come to be souls that understand that your life is not your own anymore. Now, that's scary. I understand that. I mean, when you really get into that, you say, what, I don't belong to me anymore? But see, well, it, it gets into much deeper concepts I can't touch on right now. But the, the bottom line is, the, and the answer to that is, that's right. You don't belong to you anymore. When you give your life to Christ, you are giving your life to Christ. It's not just a prayer. It's a lifestyle. And so in order to find the purpose and the will of God for your life, you've got to start with that. I mean, that is the starting point. It's basically saying, you know, I'm showing up. It's kind of like joining the army. You know, you sign the contract, and that's it. It's not like, yeah, I don't like this. After that, drill sergeant comes up and, and you're jumping and doing the stuff that they do and talking about your mom and your girlfriend and doing all that they do. You can't just turn around and say, I'm done. Don't want to do this. Not fun. That's signed a contract. That's right, Alon. You signed it. And in the same way, we've signed a contract with Christ. Only it's in blood. He signed it for us. All we had to do was say yes. But it is binding. So in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, Paul is speaking to the Corinthians because they're, they're, they're going through troubles. One of the troubled churches in the New Testament. Great to study when, when you're going through conflicts and things like that. But he says this. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Now, why would Paul say that unless the church was going through some difficulties that I think are pretty plain for us to, to, to read between the lines? That, they, that, that here they were having experienced great faith and great uh, transformation and coming out of the world, but now we're beginning to kind of struggle with what that really meant. And so he says, guys, you've got to test yourselves in this. Are you really in the faith? Are you really a Christ follower now? Do you really believe beyond just mental assent? Because see, mental assent is just saying, I believe intellectually in the concept of Christ. But being a Christ follower is, means I, I know and I do. And I follow in his path. And he goes on and says, do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Now, there is, man, that's powerful stuff right there. When we realize he's in me, he's in me. He lives inside me. And that means he goes with me everywhere. Everywhere. And just knowing that helps us to walk in a different way. Because in essence, yes, we're Christ followers, but really we're, we're, we're with Christ, we're in Christ, we're walking and living with him with that constant understanding. He says, unless, of course, you fail the test. Because there is a test. 
We walk in it. Every day, Christians are like those acorns. You're a nut who is called to become a tree. But some, of you, some people are happy just to stay a nut. And isn't that just the truth, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, don't think much about that one, but it's true. All right, number two. So first of all, we've got to become a Christ follower. Number two, we become, we've got to become a living sacrifice. And that defines it more for us. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Wow. I mean, what's going on there? Am I, you know, what is this, a sacrifice? No, no, he goes on to explain what he, what he really means. He says, this is your true and proper worship. Worship is not just singing songs. Worship is not just saying, I love you, Jesus, in as many creative ways that we can possibly say it. It is living it. It is, that is worship. He says, the ultimate form of worship in the New Testament compared to the Old Testament is that now you're, every day you're a living sacrifice. You die to him daily. And that's kind of spiritual language. I, I understand that. Especially young people are going to look at it and death? Jesus? No, I don't want any part of that. No, what he means is you die to yourself. You make an exchange. Your selfishness for his uniqueness, his worship of the Father, his connectedness, his yieldedness to the purpose and will of God. And that is where we all are. See, we're like little children who are having to make a decision. Are we going to listen to the one who loves us, the one who died for us, the one who has a purpose and a plan that goes far beyond our, our ability to be able to figure out? Are we willing and ready to die for that, to die to it. That must mean, and that means we got to give up really our personal vision for his vision. And that's where it really, where the rubber meets the road, as they say, is that we are so quickly, we make up our plans. We can find this in the book of Proverbs in practical ways. If you really want to know what it means to be a Christ follower and how to live that out in your life, you need to go to the book of Proverbs because that will show you in your thinking and in your decisions, just what that means. But for an example here, it just means that, that my life no longer belongs to me. And now what I need to do is, is give up that vision. The first thing that comes to my mind is often a carnal thing, what I will do. But when we are living, when we're a living sacrifice, that means every single thought that comes into my mind, you know, whether it be a bit business decision, what I want to buy, what I want to do with my children, how their, their lives, their purposes, my life, my purpose, is all coming through a submitted, broken sacrifice to him. And I bring it to him to say, Lord, this, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? And God reaches in and says, okay, well, all this is great, but that right there, that's not my purpose. That's not my will. That's not going in the direction of kingdom. And sometimes that's painful. And I see that a lot in Christians' lives. Andrew and I spend the majority of our time when we go for our walks and we have our time getting away as we sort through that. And it's very, very difficult. 
when we have to look at our plans compared to his plans and the things that we would want to see that the world is clamoring for, and yet, you know, we have to say, I gotta die to that. I could get, I could get into specific things, but I don't want you to think that as a pastor, I'm saying this is what everybody has to do. But I do want you to know that the process is where it really is. The process. So when Andrew and I have to make a decision regarding our children's destinies, we have to make very hard decisions. You know, we would love to see them do certain things, but have we really checked it at the door of Christ? Because, you know, you can spend your time and your money and your efforts and your, your, your emotion and, and all of it, just your life, really, only to come back after so many years and realize, oops, that really... Man, I was, on, I was pulling on the other side of the rope, wasn't I, God? I was playing tug-of-war with you rather than pulling with you. And that's kind of a sad thing, you know, that comes upon you. And we've all been there. We've all been there. But to be a living sacrifice means it's on the front end that we make some of these, we make some of these calls. That it's on the front end that we say, Lord, I'm a living sacrifice. I want to die to this. And so we need... To have, it, you know, I, I think of this, uh, there is a special um, super glue that you can buy. It's, it's thinner than water. And you can use it for special applications. And I bought it. You've got to watch out for this stuff, man, because one little drip just goes <laughs> all over. And there, and there you are, hands stuck together, walking around. Hey, how you doing? Good, good to meet you today. I mean, that's, that's how amazing this stuff is. And, but it, it's, it's so powerful, so unique. And that's the kind of thing that God wants to do. He wants to bring our uniqueness forward and the power and the application of our lives. So we've got to become that living sacrifice. Thirdly, well, I'll say this last point here, or let me just read this in our notes. Our life no longer belongs to us, but don't worry. It is in his plan for you to be happy, healthy, and fruitful. Our worship must go beyond just Sunday observance. It's got to be inclusive. In other words, it's got to cover everything, people. Everything. <clears throat> the wisdom of God has got to be like that super glue, man, that goes into every crevice of your life. Thirdly, we become, we've got to be, uh, become a renewed thinker. Our Christianity, folks, has to get into our thinking. There is a lot of confusion out there. Oh, my gosh. I want to take every Christian on the planet and take them through a basic theology course and just say, look, let's just sit down and get this thing figured out because there is this injection of worldly wisdom. There is this injection of weirdness that has begun to mutate and mess with the concept of Christianity. And if it, if it continues to go, we're not going to even recognize what Christianity is anymore. It's going to morph into something. And, of course, every generation, there's that attempt of the enemy. Can't knock you off the horse, or rather, if he can't keep you off the horse, he'll knock you off the other side, as it says. He can take deception and put a little bit in there, and that can just totally disarm the believer. We've got to become a renewed thinker. Romans 12, verse 2, says, Do not conform. So, first of all, he says, to find the will of God, you've got to be the living sacrifice. Secondly, do not conform to the pattern 
of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's good for you. It pleases God, and it's perfect in every way for you, for you. So how do we get there? He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Folks, is the pattern of this world becoming more distinct? Are you finding that to be true? I mean, it's becoming really clear the difference between those who are Christ followers and those who are saying, well, I think love is love, and I'm a Christian too, and I believe we can do this and you can do that. Uh, well, then you'd have to stop believing what a lot of the Bible says to do that. So the pattern of this world is, is becoming more clear to us. It's becoming something that we can see, and it's, it's a d- d- distinct pattern. And people are patterning, patterning their lives as, after it. But he says, you can't follow that. He says, you know, as in converse thinking, we've got to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The truth is, your mind and my mind, they're warped. We got warped minds. They're carnal minds. The the truth is, the first thing we usually think to do is something that we want to do without the wisdom of God, without the purpose of God on it. And that is even the smartest person. That is even the most wise person, the most disciplined person. Usually what we do is think of what we want first, apart from what God wants to do. So when somebody says, and you give them an idea, or somebody presses you and say, look, you got to act now. you got to make a decision now. The best thing to do is say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to check in with the one who owns my soul. i, I got to check in with the one who holds everything. He's got my bank account. He's got my kids. He's got my career path. Folks, I'm, I'm talking down and dirty here. He's got, he's got everything i got to go check with him. He's the CEO of my life. I make no decisions without him. And the truth is, just like any other kind of training, you show up green and you show up with your own thoughts. Well, I think we ought to do it. Um, look, you're broken. I'm the living God. I know how you're made. I know how this thing works. And matter of fact, I'm going to violate certain things that in your mind you think that that the world has figured out, but I'm going to backdoor that. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do what is called a miracle. And it goes beyond. When you say, I don't see a way, I've got to go through the wickedness in order to find freedom. And God says, nope. No, 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 no. This is where most of our ideas and our self-centered thinking gets filtered out. In Gethsemane, C.S. Lewis says this, in Gethsemane, the holiest of all petitioners prayed three times that a certain cup might pass from him. It did not. He comes to the Lord, he comes to his father, and he says, Father, if there's any other way in order for us to fulfill the destiny for all of these broken humans, can we do that? And he says, the father says, no, no way, no other way three times. And if Jesus gets turned down by the Father, (laughs) Lord, is there any other way that we can do this? 
Can we do marriage a different way? Can I live this life? Can I find joy in love another way? Is there another path that I can follow that will bring me into prosperity? Can I still walk in revenge and a murderous heart and it still be okay? Can I still walk and, and stir up division and hatred of between peoples and still call myself a Christ follower? I don't think so. Like the cicada, coming out too early will result in you getting eaten. That's for sure. If one of those little cicadas said, you know what, I do not want to wait for 17 years. This is way too long to be hanging out in the ground like a larva. I don't want to live like a larva. I want to be in the trees. You come out soon. Hey, where is everybody? A bird comes up and says, check out this fat little meal. (laughs) And that's exactly what the enemy does. We come out too soon. We come out out of the will of God. We come out from under whatever, what God has planned. And God says, no, look, you need to stay in the ground for a while. You need to stay where I've got you because in that place, when the time comes for you to be birthed, so to speak, and come into your destiny, then it's in that place that all things come together. For the cicada, the guy making all the noise finds him a babe and fulfills his purpose. I wonder if they have any, you know, marriage counseling cicadas up there. I, I don't know. They might. <laughs> the mind of Christ is gained by reading Scripture daily and discussing the results with Jesus. You want to know how you get the mind of God? How do you find that transformation path? If my mind is already warped, which it is, and yours is too, then we need to be constantly subjected to the transforming power of God, which is his word. It's truth. And look, you may stand up and say, excuse me, Pastor David, I know the Bible from cover to cover. I read it once. And I'm good. I got it down. You know what? I've been studying the Bible almost the majority of my life. And I'm telling you, I still open it and say, doggone it. I missed that one, you know? Or, wow, when did I stop doing that? Because we, it's, it's the law of diminishing interest. It's the law of life in Christ Jesus compared to the law of death. And Paul said that. I find both laws working in my soul. And you feed the one, and it grows. Fourthly, finding the will of God for our lives. We've got to embrace our purpose, folks. Elizabeth Elliot, the surviving wife of Jim Elliot, the the martyr there, she says this, think of the self that God has given as an acorn. It is a marvelous little thing, a perfect shape, perfectly designed for its purpose, perfectly functional. Think of the grand glory of an oak tree. God's intention when he made the acorn was the oak tree. His intention for us the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what his purpose is. Yes, we are a nut. Yes, we do. We we have 
inside us, maybe many nuts, maybe there, there are portions of our soul where we have, we've really matured and, and we've got canopy and, and we're in process of being able to bear much fruit in that place, but then there's other places in our soul that are still the nut. And we have to see that God's intention is for all of us to become that, that wonderful, beautiful, glorious oak tree. They're amazing trees. You ever stared up into one? I mean, they're just massive, which is why they were worshipped, by the way, through in almost any culture that had them, especially Europeans and Northern Europeans. They worshipped them because they were so symbolic, and they could feel that. But it's such a wonderful picture of a follower of God, a follower of Christ, to be that. And so kind of put yourself in that place for a moment. And think it through. Are my roots deep? Is the trunk of my life thick and unmoving? Is my canopy growing in such a way that it reaches out and and casts shade for, for many who could come up under that? Or are you or are we just a sapling? Still trying to figure out what we are, who we are, and what we're supposed to do. When we lose that sense of the purpose, then folks, that is where real confusion comes in. Real confusion. See, when God created this earth, he had intent. In what he created, and I'm getting ahead of myself for next week, but in what he created, he built purpose in every single thing that he made, including us. But isn't it interesting that the sentient ones, the ones who would understand more of God's purpose are the ones who so easily, quickly cast it off. Mm. We got to get back. You're not called to be what, in my yard, I've also got this thing growing called a thorny iliagnus. It's a shrub, a nuisance, a problem, a painful reminder that some things in life just continue to take work to remove. Whoever planted that in my yard, God bless them. That thing just grows so fast, I can cut it off, dig it up, but man, does it ever come back. It's like sin, there is no doubt. You know, there is no doubt. And I look at that, I was, I was kind of considering that, it's just like that is often growing at the same time. And we're not called to be that. But that's what a lot of times people end up becoming. A nuisance a problem, a painful reminder that you're not the right thing, not in the right place, not causing anybody any joy, drawing blood, causing problems. No, 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 no. We can't fall into that. But see, folks, when we reject what we've been called to be, we don't just become nothing. Okay? Okay? we become something. You most certainly will. And, you know, for the purposes of our analogy here today, we become something that is so far removed from what God intends. Without purpose. But then really taking on another purpose that's selfish, again, that only tears down the purposes of God. 
We all grow in different soil. We have access to different light. But in the end, our unique shape is all our own. You know? You can go into the woods. You can go into any yard, and you can see how trees, they grow. Like I've got dogwoods that grow that way. And the reason why they grow that way is they've got to get to the light. But in the end, it makes them so cool because they take on a different shape. And I've got other trees that grow straight up, and they do perfectly what a tree ought to do. And we all know those people in life. You just look at them and say, man, you're just a straight tree and you grew the way you're supposed to grow. The rest of us are like, we're trying to get to the light because we, you know, we're in it. We were born in a situation where there wasn't a lot of light. And we got to get to it because that's the only way we're going to grow. But in the end, isn't it cool what we look like? Isn't it cool how that all happens? Our shape becomes something unique. So how do I find God's will for my life? That's for God to know and for you to find out. I can't tell you that. Now, we do have a class. If you've never been through the next step, if you've never been with Pastor Jamie, he helps you find your shape. He helps you take you to get you to that place, at least to that moment of discovery. But, but really, it is locked up in God, in the heart of God. And I tell you what, that is the mystery and that is the amusement ride that is so absolutely amazing. I love it. Man, I love it when people come up to me and they've got those eyes that are just wide open and say, I got an idea. I want to do this. And I just look at them and say, man, run. Do it. Go for it. Because that's ex- that you're tapping, and of course, as long as for the glory of God, then you're tapping into your purpose at another level altogether. See, it, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like we've created this system where children grow up and then immediately it's just like, okay, you got to go off to college. You got to find out, you got to know who you're going to be and what you're going to do in life. Come on, I give you five minutes to figure it out. Let's go. The clock is ticking. Write it on the paper. Then you can sit down with a guidance counselor and they're going to tell you how to happen. Man, it sounds like some kind of a, a communist, you know, deal where you're just pumping up. I mean, and I'm, I'm on one hand laughing, but really that's what they do. I mean, they take a child and, and, and they look at their physical and their mental way and then they just say, oh, this is what you're going to be, apart from God. But I think we need to slow way down. We need to ask God. People tell me all the time, I want to be this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that. I say, and I always just kind of lovingly just kind of, have you asked God about that? I mean, have you checked in with the one who owns your soul? Have you checked in with the one who is the provider in all those things? Have you done it? Here's a quick look. What will the will of God look like? And this is, you can just take it home, think about it. Just go over these seven things very quickly. What does the will of God look like? It's going to fit you, okay? It's not Saul's armor. It's not something, God's not going to call you to be something that he hasn't designed you to be. Number two, it will bring you joy, but will involve some tough decisions in finding it, okay? It will involve some sacrifice, And I guarantee you that after a period of time, you are going to look at somebody else's journey and say, I wish I could do that. How do I know it? Oh, shoot, I've been doing it about the last seven years. Because as you get older, you know, you grow slower and wiser. And you start looking at things a lot differently. 
and you begin to wonder, and you begin to, you, and because you're wiser, you're like Solomon who begins to go through everything. Hmm, I wonder if I've done this and wonder, you'll drive yourself mad. What you have to do is say, God, am I doing what you call me to do? And he says, yes, David, everything's good. All right, then I'm good. If you're good, I'm good. We all good? All right, here we go. Number three, it will encounter, the will of God that is, it will encounter resistance sometimes causing delay because we tend to be too ambitious. So remember the 13, the 17, and the 50 rule. Sometimes to come into what God has called you to do, it's going to take a good length of time. Time is good stuff. To wait to do what you're created to do, and when you come into that, the fulfillment can feel like a lifetime. Number four, it will bring you into Christ-like character that will be confirmed by others. Okay? Doing the will of God is going to bring you into Christ-like character, okay? It's not going to make you meaner. not going to make you more selfish. It's not going to make you, you know, and I'm just made this way, brother, so get out of my way. No, 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 no. That's not what it's going to look like. It's not going to smell like. It's going to look and smell like Jesus. And it's going to be confirmed by others. In other words, people are going to say, man, you were made for this. You are doing what you were designed to do. And I'm inspired by it. That's how you know. But if people just say, man, you, you're kind of like a, I mean, they start wor- using the words like Rubik's Cube or, or Mosaic. Better get back in your prayer closet because they're confused too. <laughs> Number five, it will be tested. And I know I'm, I'm saying that again, but it will be. It will have, the enemy will come to try to destroy, destroy that which is God. And he often does it in the infant stage. Have you noticed that about the devil? As he tries to destroy things when they're babies. In the infant stage. Because why? That's when they're most vulnerable. So vision in its infant stage. Children in their infant stage or as youth will be tested. Number six, it will be resurrected from near death. Remember the seasons. There are times that we will come into seasons when there's not a leaf on the tree and you're just looking out there. You know, when you look up Antarctica, it says devoid of life, right? (laughs) Sometimes you look at your life and devoid of life. All you got is your cup of coffee, you know, and a computer game that, you know, you just play over and over and over again just to burn daylight hours, right? Boy, it sounds like I know too much of that. But anyway, it will be resurrected from the dead. In other words, man, I've had a lot of dreams and things that I have I've pondered over and thought about. Matter of fact, one that, that I'm excited about, I'm getting ready to launch actually my first book. It's, it's a children's book because I've been working on this novel forever, but then God just said, David, you just put that aside and do what you love. I love telling stories. And I've told stories to Meredith and my children for, you know, 21 years. And so finally I started writing them down and getting some beautiful color, uh, uh, you know, pictures for them. And uh, so I'm actually getting ready to launch my first one here in a few weeks. A dream. But, man, I sat on that for years and years and years and years. When, God, when? So God says, now, because you're ready. Going to be, it was near death. Sometimes dreams will do that. And then finally, it will involve much fruit when the season comes. When the season is right, everything seems to line up. 
It's just like boom, 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 boom. Wow, this is, I couldn't have scripted it any better. This is just coming together. That is, I mean, this is from experience, but also the study of many other people in their journeys. That when it's God, it's right. You launch, you come out of the ground. Or that time, that 50th year, that all of a sudden, boom, you have that mass year, and all the fruit just comes down, pouring under the ground. That's God's purpose. That's God's way. See, one of the things that, that nature teaches us, that when we come out too soon, as I've shared with the cicada, we get eaten up and it's gone. See, God, what we find in nature is God's incredible wisdom. That by the cicadas and their different kinds of, because uh, there's many different uh, kinds of them, that when they come in at alternate years, they're able to sustain life. But if they all came at the same time, or if they came in little bits at the same time, they probably would be wiped out and no longer exist. And the oak tree has to wait and wait and wait and wait until it gets strong enough so that when it kicks out all those acorns, those things are edible. And man, do I ever know that? Because the squirrels also come in mass at the same time. And they eat those acorns just as fast as they can eat them, but not fast enough. Because there's little acorn tree or little oak trees everywhere come the spring. God's design. When God's time comes, man, you're going to have that masked moment. You're going to have that time where you're going to be able to cast the fruit that is going to do the most amount of damage to the enemy and expansion to the kingdom in your life. But it starts with a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. See, I've talked as much or more about that than I, than I should have. It, it Really, it starts, folks, with a sacrifice of your life, laying it down and yielding to the... I hope you got that point this morning. Amen. Let's stand up this morning. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we want to come to you today. Lord, you always have a way, God, of, of coming in at a different level, a different angle of our soul. Father, a gap in our mind and our thinking. To exploit, Lord, those, those lies we've believed. So, Lord, right now, I just pray that you would come and, and bring fresh light and revelation to us. Lord, where we're fighting your will. God, where we're resisting you. Lord, we're, we're not going to find fruit. Oh, we'll get a, a nut here and there and a, an experience there. But at what expense? What expense? The people that we lose, the friendships, the sacrificed marriages and children. Lord, when we choose something good, when we should have waited for something better, and Lord, you're the great, you're the better, you're the best. And so, Lord, we want to wait for you. Wait on your will. Lord, help us all across this room this morning. Help us yield to the, the, to the master's will, the finisher of our faith, the one who can bring the most fruit of our life. Lord, to make the most sense of it. Lord, where we can smile and know, man, I was made for this. I was made. 
Lord, I pray you'd help us all to stay on that path in these days. Lord, to break us free, Lord, of any willfulness. Lord, forgive us, God, for a stubbornness, God, that it's in our very roots. Lord, if we need to be pulled up and transplanted, (laughs) may it be so. Lord, if our minds need a new level of transformation, Lord, let your word be effectual and get right into where we need it these days. So, Lord, we yield to you. We thank you for this opportunity today, Lord, to, to grow, to surge forward in your will. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen.